This podcast is part of the Treksphere Network. To find more Star Trek-related content, visit treksphere.com. Can't wait to see how you've ruined my intro that I wrote. I just made it better. Oh, really? (laughs) Well, maybe you can do the podcast all by yourself, too. Make that better. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. The power is yours! Our world is in peril. (laughs) Rafi, the spirit of manufactured drama, can no longer stand the terrible destruction plaguing our planet. She gives five magic MacGuffins to five special young people and then steals a wallet. From Borgia, seven of nine with the power of adapting to a culture three centuries old. From the Daystrom Institute, Agnes with the power of waiting until the last minute to fix broken tech. From Vashti, Elnor with the power to be killed off before doing anything. From somewhere, Rios with the power of thank God they didn't give him amnesia. And from Borgia also, the Borg Queen with the power of turning any light green. With the five powers combined, they summon Earth's greatest champion, Captain Picard. Very nice. Very nice. I did want to do one for Alien Nation because that was a better version of this episode, but there is no opening narration to Alien Nation. Imagine my frustration in this conversation. I can't can't wait until they pivot off of this whole the world is ending because of how humans are treating it like thread that they have going just so we can find like we're running out of running out of shows to ape intros right so here's the thing like we just did an episode very similar to the message they're trying to give with when the bow breaks they were like we abused our planet and we now don't know how to fix anything or have children so we're stealing yours like that message is subtle and it's important to the plot, but they're not hammering us over the head with, do you get the message? Yeah, they don't. I mean, every single scene, it felt like with with Seven of Nine and well, Rafi, even with Guinan and Picard. there was some direct mention. Yeah, yeah, that's, true. that's um, true. So before we actually get into the episode, do you, uh, do you want to talk about the music a little bit, specifically the theme song? Well, I think we should – first we should talk about that this is the measure of an episode. Picard edition, season two edition, episode four yes. edition. I don't think we need to do that, though. Okay, that's out of the way. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think we, we need to bother that. with that. Um, well, okay. Okay, I won't cut it out. <laughs> I've heard it both ways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm making it better, Jonathan. How, how's that? Way to reference something that was off mic. <laughs> so I had this idea while I was listening to the theme song this time around. Um, actually, on like the second episode, which I didn't mention until now. Uh, I feel like... The theme song is written in a way, and this kind of goes back to your point, that Picard is – or the flute is representing Picard in the opening theme song. And I feel like in season two, it plays out even more so because all the music is happening around the flute. It's not that the flute is leading the theme. It's that it's this little thing all by itself, and then suddenly the ominous – like instrumental orchestra comes around it and then it's kind of at the very end all by itself as well so it just seems like the music is happening around the flute rather than the flute being instrumental pun intended to the the melody or the rest of the um composition i have to say i haven't i didn't really study the intro because i know that it's different i know that they kind of did a reorchestration or however and it kind Mm -hmm. of feels actually like that mirror universe enterprise episode that we watched where they redid Absolutely the entire intro. Does. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't have a sense of what they did. I actually remember liking the intro better in the second season 
rather than yes. the first season. The first season feels very just languid and doesn't really doesn't really catch you anywhere. This mm-hmm. one at least has some drama to it. Yeah. But I've stopped watching it because they give away all the <laughs> all right. of the uh, stuff <laughs> in the episodes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, there's another review that I, I saw where they like yelled at Paramount about that. They're like, "Stop giving away who's in the episode." Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, kind of speaking to the first season as well, I feel like that also represents what happened with Picard because he was kind of, I mean, as we talked about, like he was just kind of tottering along on this adventure rather than actively being a part of it. And you just said like it felt very languid, and you know, just. You were you weren't interested in, in the opening the theme the opening credits. Well, and it's so long. Both of them are so long because they have right. to co- accommodate so many people and not cast members. They're all right. producers and executive producers and writers. I mean, if you just count how many non actor credits there are in the opening, and it's ridiculous. It's like a minute and a half long. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of pissed because we could have a minute and a half more show. If they just didn't do this intro, which, by the way, they're kind of going against the grain anyway now with modern television shows, because modern television shows, for the most part, if they do have a main title thing, it's very short. It's almost like a tag. It's not this whole long thing. I can think of two modern airing right now shows that I watch (laughs) that have very long intros, this one and Yellowstone, and I fast forward through both of them. Right. It would be one thing if they sort of gave us clues to what's happening in the the grander universe in the intro, mm-hmm. and instead of it being exactly the same piece of one and a half minutes every single time. I'm talking about Yellowstone right now. I stopped talking about Picard. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. But you know what I mean. Yeah. No. Totally. If they yeah if they updated it to kind of include either what has happened so far or what's going to happen in that episode, but then why would you watch it? Right. Like right. you'd you'd you would absolutely like be throwing chairs and flipping desks if <laughs> quick side note about that just like look, while looking up episodes of opening narration um there was a show that i loved called nowhere man it's from like 25 years ago and before they went to the commercial break they actually showed a small clip of what was going to happen um, and the one that I remember is he gets locked in a room and it says like, no, we're man will be back after these messages. And it shows him climbing out the window. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> will he be back? It seems like he's leaving. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it was like, you know, all the tension is gone. Like they, they ended on a cliffhanger and it's like, here's how he escapes. Just so you know, stay right there. <laughs> yeah. They do that in what's the, not in CIS. They do that in CIS, or at least they used to when my, I'd, I'd sometimes walk in when my parents were watching it. Where they at the beginning of the act, they would show you the end of the act in sort of a discolored slow mo way, uh-huh, and it didn't really add anything because it wasn't like right. they were showing some sort of action. they were just showing literally the last shot in a different color. <laughs> I have to say so the so the thing about the number one thing about this episode that was very interesting to me, yeah. was it was directed by Mom, Mom, is that you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Leah Thompson? That's right. Leah Thompson. Yeah. What yeah. a strange, I guess, coincidence? It's not a coincidence, but... Uh, right. It's ironic. Wait, why, why is it ironic? Uh, just that somebody from another sci-fi franchise would be directing a sci-fi franchise. Oh, that but, she would step over. Yeah. Right? That she would cross the line. Oh, the it? irony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's the science fiction scab, as we like to there say. There you go. It, ew. <laughs> 
been picked off. Actually, not a badly directed episode, I would say. No, not at all. The writing, on the other hand. We have to talk about the writing. Do we? I, I, I'm very concerned now. Like, uh, after the last episode, I, you know, I was like, they could pull it back around and they just dug their heels in deeper on this episode. So I am very nervous that it is going to continue with this message about how, like, the, the pivotal point is where some kind of disaster happens on Earth and the people of Earth have to be shown that they need to care about the planet. And not something that's completely unrelated to the environment. Yeah, it feels like Captain Planet. I mean, this is feeling uh, our Captain Planet intro is becoming more and more relevant and important. <laughs> Have you listened to the lyrics, by the way, of Captain Planet? That intro. Uh, yeah, he's our hero, going to take pollution down to zero. Absolutely. <laughs> Which they repeat at least 19 times in the course of the uh, 30 second intro. You know, it's funny, the only, the, the first time that something like, perked my ears up in this episode. I actually don't know where it is, but it's my first note, and I know it's not in the first 10 minutes, is when the whole idea of 15 with Agnes, where they've, they've left the ship and they've gone into Chateau Picard and they're looking around, and Agnes subconsciously picks out three or four objects that feature the number 15. And I felt like that, that felt very Star Trekian to me. I liked it. I liked that it was sort of the subtle thing that was happening. What I didn't like about it was that it, they made such a moment out of it. If you think about what, what in the, like I'm sure this has happened before in Next Gen or something like that or some other show. In fact, it feels very cause and effect kind of because Data encounters some number like 550 times throughout the course of the episode at one right. point in their loop. And it felt like that to me. But they didn't make it this grandiose moment. And in, in this, in Picard, they made it this huge moment with music swelling and the way that they spoke to each other like they had just discovered the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it just – it felt like you don't have to do that. Just right. – it, it, the, the gravitas of the discovery itself is enough to carry us forward. You don't need to hit us over the head with how great of an idea you guys had. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and – I think I think genuinely, and this is a little disappointing to say, I think genuinely it has a little bit to do with um, Patrick Stewart's age, where his dialogue sounded weary, you know? And, um, and it just, I mean, maybe that's the Picard that he's playing, but just in that moment when he was talking about those things, you know, it, he, he was like, kind of what you said, you know, oh my God, Agnes, stay with, stay with me here. You have been trying to come up with a date, you know, <laughs> but look, yeah. you picked this and this and this, you know, like yeah. instead of talking to the person who figured it out and you're like, oh my gosh, look at all these. They've all got 15. Right. He would be the worst escape room partner ever because it would just take forever for him to tell you what he found. <laughs> right. And that's our time. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, JL. Okay, so at this point, anybody who is basically downplaying or thinking that this season of Picard is not an homage to Star Trek The Voyage Home <laughs> uh, has permission to lick my balls. Right. Um, did you know it's the same dude? I realized it was the same dude. At least I, I didn't look it up, but I was felt like it has to be the same guy. Yeah. I kind of did like how they handled it, though. <laughs> I liked that he was, he was okay with turning it off. Right. Right. Like he'd learned. Yeah. He he'd grown. Exactly. As a yeah. human. 
<laughs> Which makes me wonder, like, what was the follow-up? Did he, like, wake up on the bus and kind of, you know, have that moment of disorientation, like, when you wake up in a bathroom after drinking so heavy? Yeah, I just wonder, like, what that follow-up was with the bus, you know? And, like, how trauma, how traumatizing was it for him to remember that, I mean, 40 years later? <laughs> well, I have a feeling that this is just, you know, some people like to drive their motorcycle on the weekends. Right. This is what he likes to do. And I don't know. I, maybe it was an emotional rock bottom at, cer- at a certain point. It looks like he's hit rock bottom emotionally. That's what it felt like when he, when he's, when he's scolded for having it on so loud. Uh, I love that idea. Like he's just, <laughs> all right, mom, going out. Yeah, I got, well, he's got my stereo. You know, he's got three kids. You know, he's happily married. He's got a nice job somewhere. <laughs> but this is what he likes to do. He likes to let loose. <laughs> I mean, it could so it could have gone two ways. It kind of could, it went the way that it did. That's one way. Or Seven gets super angry, or Rafi. Actually, more likely Rafi. Yeah. Rafi gets super angry and rips his throat out on the bus. <laughs> and then steals his boombox. Right. And everybody claps. Like, they, they keep that going. <laughs> or just everybody starts crying, like, silently weeping in their seats as Rafi sits back down. <laughs> She's like, shut up! Not another word! Yeah, but uh, this, I was, I, I was not happy with this episode. I liked that everything moved forward. I like that Rafi and Seven are closer to meeting up with Rios. I like that Aggie and the Borg Queen had their moment, uh, and Aggie is still pissing off the Borg Queen. I liked that Picard moved forward with like finding the Watcher, but all of the—that's what you said—all of the writing in all of these scenes were was just so heavy-handed. Yeah, it it felt okay. Well, speaking of heavy-handed, uh, how did we feel about Skeletor's ice officers? Because it felt like they were vilifying all of the ice department, but it was so—it's so heavy-handed in that, and it's—it's so—it's not even allegory anymore. It's just. Right. We think these people are bad, everyone. It's not a parable. It, it's, it's, this is what's happening right now in L.A. You could find this officer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And again, I'll repeat what I said last week, which is who are they trying to convince? I can't right. imagine there are many people watching this show who are, who are in opposition to these arguments they're making about ICE, about the environment, Anything that they're saying. It's almost like they're trying to start a fight. They're trying to troll all the people who don't believe this by saying, hey, look, this is a gigantic show that everybody watches. If we're trying to show you what the right answer is. But right. they're not. Well, and But that, that's a lose situation because, you know, they're going to say, well, this is sci-fi. This is fantasy. It's not real anyway. Like, and this kind of goes back to what I was talking about with Picard season one. Like, speaking to what you just said – they're not going to convince adults. You know, this may be something that like kids could see and go, is this really what's happening for kids but, though? Who are, first of all, kids who are watching the show, they better be, <laughs> I guess, over but the that's what I'm saying. Of- like this, this show is not kid appropriate. So you're, you're doing exactly what you just said. They are doing exactly what you just said. You're they're talking to people who already have their opinions formed. Right. And if, if they do have an opinion about it, they're either going to rebel against being lectured to, or you're right. preaching to the choir. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, and I don't know. They're just wasting so much time on it. We get it. Yeah, um, that's the thing. Alien, this is what I was talking about. Alienation did a much better job about this. Like, it was the exact same story. It was just using literal aliens instead of national aliens. Yeah. Yeah. But they cover these types of things in Star Trek all the time. You just don't. Right. It just doesn't feel like a lecture because they're done through allegory. Right. They're not done on so on the nose that it feels like it feels like it pisses people off. I want to know, like, I haven't listened to anybody talk about this episode yet. I wonder, do people have the same reaction that we're having to this? We can't be the only ones. If we are, that's why you come to this show and not anybody <laughs> else's show. Yeah. Uh, so we can talk about Guy. Let's talk about Guy in a second. But first, when Picard uh, first comes into 10 Forward, which is really – I don't understand. It's very confusing to me why she mm-hmm. would have she was why she would have that in 2024 that place called Ten Forward or right. Ten. It's called Ten on Forward Street. Yeah. And can we talk about when he first walks in, the bottle that he picks up? Sure. Did you did you catch? I mean, it's it's hilariously phallic and hilariously sex toy ish. And I don't I don't know if this was on purpose. Like, why couldn't he just pick up a bottle of champagne? Why did it have to be so <laughs> provocative? <laughs> Am I the only person who feels this way? Uh, I mean, out of the two of us, you are the only one, yeah. Oh, come on, John. But, you know, half the people who are talking about this agree with you. <laughs> That's true. Good point. <laughs> really only one, because I listen to myself. Um. But anyway, I just didn't understand. So did they go through how she she could have a bar having – I'm guessing never having met Picard, obviously. Obviously. Right. Yeah. How she could have a bar called 10 – called 10. Um, I, no, and it was actually you know one of the things that um, some people were kind of frustrated about because that means the bar – on the Enterprise was not named because it was deck 10 in the forward sections. It was named, you know, Guinan was like, hey, I've got a name for the bar. <laughs> yeah, I, I, they, they, I guess they just didn't explain it. It would have been so much better if, if it wasn't a 10 up there, if it was something else, even if it was just another number, you know, it, just, it confuses me. Yeah. It was a nod and wink in that in that previous episode, and then they were like, "Well, that's her bar, so we've got to keep it that way." I mean, this I guess this insinuates that Guinan in the unmessed with universe, the unqified uh, universe, that she's been on Earth her forever since the eighteen hundreds through the nineteen hundreds. Yeah, through the development of Starfleet, and then she was like, "Hey, I, I got to be on this ship if that's okay." Right. Like, I'm a bartender applying for a job at Starfleet. Yeah. <laughs> this whole bartender um, thing, I always felt like Guinan was not – she was sort of a bartender on the Enterprise because she wanted to be close to Picard and she wanted to be close to the action because the Enterprise right. is the flagship ship. Yeah. <laughs> do you need the second ship? I don't think you do. Just flagship. <laughs> uh, and so that's – she. it's not that she wanted to tend bar. It's that she wanted to be a part of the action. This idea that she's always been a bartender, uh, I feel like it betrays how little the writers know about 
next gen. And it actually, I mean, even just keeping her as a bartender, um, I, I think you're right. I think that she should have gone into something that was listening. I mean, a bartender is a listener without having to like, I don't it's know. It's like a captive she, audience. She's a captive audience and you can give, right. you can kind of give therapeutic advice to people without it feeling like therapy. And I guess she likes that maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But this whole bar thing, it just, it, it doesn't make sense. I, I was okay with it, having it be in the Picard future. But this part where she's there in the 21st century tending bar because she was a bartender. It's like, it feels, it feels like the writers were like, who's Guinan? She's like, oh, she's the bartender in 10 forward. Oh, okay. So she's the bartender. We'll put her in a bar in the past too. Right. It's like it's well, it's yeah, because so like when we when we saw her in the 19th century, she was not a bartender. No, I I feel like it would have been a bigger shock if he went to those coordinates, and it was a totally different place. But that's where Guinan was, you know, and like he didn't he didn't know it was Guinan right away. Yeah, I didn't either. I thought it was some sort of weird. Oh her, no, no, no. What name. I'm saying is like he he got to a place because he knew it was Guinan because of Ten Forward. Like he went to a brand new place, saw this person. You know, kind of talking about how like he's he's looking for this thing, and she, you know, she she says something to him, or he says that phrase, and she gets sick, and he's like, "That's time sickness. You must be Guinan." And she's like, "How do I know you?" You know, and something like that. Right. No, you're right. I'm I'm getting that Guinan looks different because, well, number one, because Whoopi Goldberg doesn't want to do this anymore, and number two, because this is a different universe, and Guinan is just a different person. Oh, I got it. Because since she said she could change her appearance. Oh. I figured that that's, you know, she just, at some point in the last 400 years, she changed her appearance. How convenient. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of this episode about Guinan, first of all, <laughs> they come, that they're, they're going, they're switching back and forth between Seven of Nine and Rafi uh, and Guinan and Picard, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so they, they come back to Guinan and Picard walking down the street and she's like moving out of her bar. And they said, so let me get this straight. You're saying that you started – it's just – it's so, again, with the lazy writing. It's – I mean I know who it's for. It's for all the people who are watching Smallville flipping over. Right, in the first half, yeah. Right. Yep. But it's – you don't have to do that. You can do it other ways. You mm-hmm. can come – because we know. You don't have to tell us. We've been watching the show. Right. It's your fault if you've just flipped into this streaming show <laughs> halfway through exactly yes right. and this is my point about all those callbacks like in the first season when they're like you're telling me this borg ship is a relic like yeah we established that six episodes ago you've been watching for six hours <laughs> and you can't not watch it out of order unless you're intentionally exactly. clicking into the middle of the timeline thing on the streamer thing right then that's your own fault like all this information is available to you you can watch it in order you know it they don't need to pander to you anyway <laughs> Well, Smallville's a much different show, you know. <laughs> anyway, so the, Picard and Guinan's exchanges mostly have to do with Guinan's uh, – with what she's viewing as humanity's bleak future. She, she can't – she's sick with how, te- with how much humans have and how much – how wasteful they are of it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and if – this is the same Guinan who was in the 1800s. Granted, she didn't meet Picard. Because he never came back in time. But I'm assuming right. that Guinan was in the 1800s visiting Mark Twain at a certain point. Yeah, that, that tracks, yeah. Upon her viewing the 1800s, that she would have a, a – she would already be super disgruntled with how terrible and how shitty 
humans are. Uh, we've, you know, in spite of how bad we think it is in any given time, the past was exponentially worse for anybody, right? right. Even for mm-hmm. the richest, richest people, uh, they had life pretty bad, right? Cons- uh, relative to right now. So this right. idea that that Guinan would would be would be relenting uh, and lamenting about how how terrible Earth had become, it would be in, uh, so much worse in the past. Like she would have just left, right? Because yeah. it was so much worse in the eighteen hundreds. Well, and even as Picard says, like you've been here hundreds of years, can you not wait three days? You know, she's like, nope. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> where does she Where does she park her ship? She, I'm, I'm assuming she has a ship. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. It's been there for hundreds of years. We've never discovered it. Right. It's underwater? It's got to be. I guess it's got to be underwater. She just calls it up. Yeah. Now, that would be a great show. Someone stole my ship. Who stole it? We don't know. Let's go find it. Dude, where's my ship? <laughs> <laughs> but you got to get Whoopi for it. You got to get Whoopi for it. It won't happen. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg and an animatronic puppet T-Rex. <laughs> what? Oh, wait. She was in a show like that, wasn't she? She was in a movie, yeah. <laughs> That's right. forgot about that. Uh, okay. Can we talk about now the 7 of 9 Rafi little thing that they go do? So um, – n- No. Like I, I am so – I'm so mad about this. So first off – like driving a car is completely different, I have to assume, from driving a 23rd such from guiding a 23rd century starship. That's the first thing. Second off, like you don't tell people, you know how to ride a horse. Come on, sail this boat. Like <laughs> No, it's exactly that's a great that's a great analogy actually. It would be either riding the horse or sailing a sailboat. Like they're not interchangeable. Being smart does not make you able to fly an airplane if you've never flown one before <laughs> exactly i know that i'm j- jumping ahead of whatever you want to talk about but like i was so irritated and then like if they wanted us to like rafi and seven like they were doing a horrible horrible job like i know that it was supposed to be kind of like the cute little oh that's what people do now like do you want to drive type thing but just rafi was such a pain in the ass through this like i <laughs> well they I turned was- them into dum-dums both yes. of them. Yeah. I I did not enjoy any of those scenes with Rafi from the time that she entered the police station to the time that they stopped outside the bus. Yeah. I, they don't even see Rafi as having – she's like being some sort of 21st century aficionado. Right. That she knows about all of these different elements of the culture in 2024. She just happens to be great at them. Yeah. Now, I, I realize that if I, if I get mad at Rafi, that I also have to be mad at Scotty. Because he's the same way. He basically sits down in front of a computer and designs futuristic materials <laughs> in a 1980s computer in the voyage home. So I don't know what, what to do here. It's a bit of a dilemma. Do I get mad at Rafi and, and also put Scotty into the same boat? But Well, uh, no. So here's, here's the thing. For, for Rafi, like, I, just, I didn't like how she handled everything around her. She gets mad at the authorities when she was specifically i mean they even mentioned this when she was specifically told not to disrupt any you know not to ruffle any feathers she pulls out the phaser and seven is like you're not supposed to have that and she's like i don't remember hearing that she then blasts the window and then does something oh with the technology and seven is like you couldn't have used that to unlock the door she's like that was more fun 
And then she, you know, and then she uses the technology to like update the the whereabouts of, of where Rios is, which, you know, whatever. That's like magic sci-fi. I'll and we we sync up all the time with Bluetooth. So like I wasn't as upset with her using technology in that way. She was using her modern technology to have it do the job that she needed. So Star Trek is very guilty of this, but just as a, a small descent to the entire canon of Star Trek, technology is not usually that backwards compatible. Right. <laughs> like you can't walk up with a 23rd, 24th century tricorder, put it near another computer and all of a sudden, hey, it syncs right up. I just turned it on with, you know, with a 20th century computer. Voyager specifically does this when they go back in time to – California somewhere. I don't remember they, when they do this or how they do this, but they have to like get information off of a computer and they just hold their tricorder up next to it. Computers that don't even have Wi-Fi yet. They're not even on the internet yet. And he just holds it up next to it and it just gets all the information somehow. Like it doesn't work that way. If you were to take a phone 20 years in the past from now, it wouldn't work with whatever you're holding it up to, <laughs> right? There was nothing that would enable those things to talk to each other. Well, right? so the way, the way I interpret it is Technology is so different from species to species that we have worked together to make the technology almost have an AI where it figures out how to speak to the other devices. Now, without any kind of Wi-Fi, you're right. So, like, it wouldn't work before whatever that is, like, 1995, 3, somewhere around there. Yeah, it, 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 none of it would work. It just right. – I feel like it's, it's a very long jump. I, and not that they couldn't get the information off of there, but that all it takes is just holding one of their devices next to it and all of a sudden everything turns on. They can download all the information. Like that's, that's not – that just feels implausible to me. I want them to do something. I want them to plug something in. I want them to take more action than just a wave of the hand. It's just uh, lazy. The way they did yeah. it in this one was lazy because they needed her. And, and she just starts typing on this random computer, right? Right. Like why would she know how to use a keyboard? Like, she why is wouldn't. she not hunting and pecking the same way that Scotty did? She wouldn't even know really what, like, the, the letters or anything like that. I mean, I guess she would be able to read. But in terms of, you know, most computer systems like that, especially in a professional kind of industrial setting, you're doing key commands the whole time. You're not usually just typing into a terminal, right? You're, you're doing command LX and then you're doing control FR. And you're, you're, you're navigating around with key commands, with just buttons. You're not really typing anything. Right. So this idea that she'd just be able to start typing like she's typing a paper right. and able to get some sort of result that she that she wanted, it just doesn't make any sense. I hate it. I hate that element of, of like, oh, well, they're from the future. They'd be able to use anything, anything uh-huh. yeah, from any time. Makes me mad. Yeah. And, and okay, so then Seven just starts driving. She, uh-huh. she knows how to drive. And okay, so but aside from Seven – Immediately knowing how to drive an automobile without her implants, by the way. Right. Not like she can rely on the implants. Exactly. Which would have been <clears throat> that a been way better. out. Yeah. yeah, that would have been, would have been an explanation. Yeah. We sound like such nerds right now. I love it. <laughs> I love it, but we sound like such nerds. Anyway, so why are they rushing? This whole sequence where Seven and Rafi escape from the police station because they're stealing a police cruiser. Bad call. But why are they rushing? It's never clear that they're being chased, even out of the out of the police department. Why are they like – why does it feel like they're being chased? Why are they rushing around? It, no, I, so I couldn't it, figure it out. 
so yeah, so it started as a rushing because they were trying to catch the bus because Rios was now moving. Um, and they wanted to get to him before he got to wherever his destination was. Um, and then it became a chase because they were being chased. But they found out that he was being moved in the middle of their car drive. She like jams out of the of the parking lot. And oh, then she's like, he's okay. being moved. I, t- I can see right now from the computer he's being moved. So right. I couldn't tell. I mean, I feel like they did it to manufacture some stakes and to, to get to, to inject some energy into the scene, which right. it didn't need, by the way. I was perfectly happy with them kind of fuddling through the trying to drive a car. I mean, I wouldn't have wanted any more than 10 seconds of that, of her like putting her both her feet on the brake and the gas and it, like doing the right. 10 seconds, right? Um, That's all I would need from that. Well, but actually it would have been fun if it was used in the the chase sequence, you know, some somehow. Like she she's trying to turn just a little bit. You know, like there's there's like a six-way stop and she's supposed to make like a slight right and she turns the wheel too hard, so she goes, you know, full right into the next lane and so Rafi's like I I got to figure out the new location, you know, or the new directions or whatever. Right. Yeah, I I would have preferred them First of all, it would have been great if they had just gotten those Uber scooters. It's like this is all we can <laughs> this is all we can find. <laughs> just being yeah. chased by cops on Uber scooter. <laughs> they get split up. Well, what's interesting to me is that if we were if we transported ourselves back four hundred years and we had with us technology from from now, like mm-hmm. a gun, a a computer. Uh, GPS, all these different things that allow us that you know separate us 400 years from where we get, we're going back. I would not feel really any urgency about the authorities chasing me, even if I was Rios. I'd be like, "This is, I can combat this. This is, I don't feel like uh, there's any uh, stakes to this." Right? You would feel very, very relaxed because you're so far ahead technologically that you can take out anybody. It's like bringing a machine gun to a bow and arrow fight. It's like there's okay. no, you don't need any, there's no, you know, you don't care. So I feel like this idea that they are in peril, I just didn't buy. I was like, they're going to get, like, and exactly what I thought was going to happen, happened, which is that they got beamed out. By the way, tell me, please, how if you're beamed out of a situation where you're seated and then you beam in standing, when do you start standing? Does the computer orient you so you're standing? Yeah, yeah. Except when it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're Rios and it beams you in like 10 feet above the air. Right. Or those times, you know, where like the people are crouching over something and they beam out and they're on the ship, you know. Um, right, exactly. Maybe, may, oh, maybe it does it for site-to-site transfer. It's, it'd be, that'd be so disorienting if you were seated, like not <laughs> engaging your muscles. And then you... You were beamed into a place standing. You wouldn't immediately like have engaging your muscles in order to stand, right? <laughs> you just fall to the ground. That's yeah. Well, I mean, you you definitely like kind of stagger a little bit, but yeah, that's. I didn't even think about the orientation. Like for you, you're just in one place, and then you're in another, and you've gone from seated to <laughs> standing. <laughs> You just fall down because you wouldn't be ready for it. And that's a best case scenario is that you're seated to standing. Like sometimes you're crouching to standing. Sometimes you're running to standing. Like that's (laughs) got to feel so weird. Yeah, because I'm assuming you lose consciousness in the beam. Obviously you do. Otherwise, Scotty from whatever that 
episode yeah. of his relics would be crazy if he was yeah just absolutely time. insane right yeah uh so yeah you would you would it would be so disorienting that and it, i think i feel like people would would this is how you play pranks in the future is yeah. you would just beam them in odd like into handstands and stuff like that <laughs> well you just beam them out of bed beam them out of bed somewhere and just teleport yeah, them somewhere can, else at- if you could take someone from running to a stop, you can take them from a stop to running. So I would beam them in a deep sleep out of bed <laughs> into a full sprint. And they would only have like 10 feet to stop running because it would be into a brick wall. Right. right. Or just into a pool, the ocean. You know. oh, that's better. Off that's cliff. less destructive. Yeah. yeah that's better. So anyway, mm. this, that, this whole sequence was so irritating. I felt yeah. like it just didn't it – did, it did not bring us anywhere. I I feel like the only way that Rafi can redeem herself is to when when it comes down to the wire and she has to choose between letting Elnor go or not, she will choose to let Elnor go to like save somebody else. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I mean, the, the whole reason she's acting so rashly is because of Elnor. They seeded this. This yeah. is why she can make right. all these terrible decisions is because she's right. acting. She's still acting emotionally. Right. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I feel like they really can't. They can't kill Elnor. It seems because I, I guess he's a he's part of the crew. Right. right. No, no, no. And I'm fine if they don't kill him, like, when this timeline gets reset. I I hope that they keep him dead just because that's what they've been talking about from episode one is that they need to reset the timeline so they can bring him back. But I I, I assume that's what's going to happen. Um, but, I, you know, there before... Before it happens, like something, something comes up where Rafi has to make the choice between keeping Eleanor and not doing what's needed or letting Eleanor go so she can do what's needed. And she makes the choice. Nobody else makes it for her. Yeah. Like that's, that's the only way that I can see her redeeming herself because otherwise like she's, she is not a likable character in this, in this season. No. And I don't feel any sympathy for her at this point. No. Yeah. She's acting so irrationally to the point of ridiculousness that right. I just – I don't care. I, I want her to be gone. Yeah, yeah. But I think you're right. There's going to be some I, – I feel like there, at first there's going to be some consequence for her acting so rashly. I, at least I hope there – it seems like this is what they're setting us up for. There's going to be some grand consequence for her uh, acting so myopically toward, right. toward restoring the timeline so she can have Elnor back. Yeah, yeah. So – yeah, I, you might be right. I, I don't. I, I still. Thought, I mean, you were totally right in terms of them being on in 2024 for an extended period of time. I still don't know if they're gonna do the entire season because it feels like, especially with the whole Q revelation at the end, um, it doesn't. It feels like they're kind of where it's wearing thin. This whole idea of being in LA in 2024. Like, what else are they gonna do? Right. Right. Other than just hijinks of having to interact with. The local authorities and stuff like that, which is boring. Yeah, um, I mean, there there's going to be something about getting Rios away from ICE, and I'm going to guess that at that point it's going to get escalated. Like Seven and Rafi get abducted as well, and Aggie then has to call upon her Borg powers to go save them, and that's where like the shootout scenes come from with her running over cop cars. Yeah, I haven't been watching the. Next time, oh, no, no, that's, that's from like the the trailer, the trailer, yeah, of of season two. Like, she's like in a red dress episode. or something like that. Oh, okay, I don't, I yeah, think so. I think I, right, I don't remember. I mean, I guess at this point, it doesn't matter if I watch them. Maybe I should be for the sake of uh, the podcast, <laughs> but I still, I'm like holding on 
for dear life with this show because I want it to be – like all the stuff with the Borg is very interesting. Right. And what is the Borg queen planning? She's obviously planning something. So well, she keeps trying, the- but Aggie uh, seems like she's one step ahead of her. I guess so, but she's going to slip up or something like that. She's already slipping up. She's already being seduced by the collective, as it were. You but think? It felt like – yes. I mean so they, they, they played – I felt it played the idea that, oh, there was something you liked about being uh, in a collective. Wasn't there, Aggie? There was something that, that felt comfortable. There was some kind of conversation mm, like that between right, the two right. of them. Okay. And I feel like that she's, being, she's now being seduced by this. So I don't know what their plans are for that. I've heard a theory that is not mine that – I think it was Red Letter Media. They said that uh, Aggie is the Borg Queen. In, right from in yeah future. from the first episode yeah the first episode uh which could be that that's an interesting theory i like that that'd yeah. be cool but i think that that stuff is interesting to me i don't care the whole rios side plot of him being deported <laughs> feels so ridiculous when you say it out loud uh and they have to rescue him and they have phasers and they can beam people and all these different things <laughs> like they have technology that effectively would is indistinguishable from magic for the people they're dealing with and they're having trouble rescuing him from a bus right but i hope it's done soon i have a feeling that now with the revelation that the watcher is uh picard's friend slash lover yeah so i actually they they look too similar i i thought um when she first turned around that it was the um the person who was hunting down the borg from the first season that Seven killed. Uh, oh, the sister. Hot for brother? Sister? No, no, no. The the one at the bar that they were all dressed up in disguise. Oh. And then Seven came back and shot her. That's who I thought it was until he was like, Laris. And I said, oh, yeah, that's Laris. But... <laughs> right. No, I, I thought it would be her. I mean, it kind of makes sense that it's her because of, of how it ended with Picard and her. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I, that's right. that's such a stretch. Like, you see her and you're like, what? Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like, <laughs> She's been in the show before, <laughs> so that makes sense that she's still in the show. <laughs> <laughs> right, there you go. That's pretty much the, the sound logic that I would, <laughs> I would use. Well, I'm just following the leader on sound logic here in terms of what the episode's putting forth, okay? <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, anyway... So I, uh, I'm i curious. I'm still curious about the show. I, I know. Like the, I like the Guinan thing. I kind of like the Guinan thing. I it's like the cool. story. I don't like the – I don't like the, the the being hit over the head with the message and the the writing. I mean the writing's on par with the first season where they keep alluding back to other things. But man, Rafi has got to do something to turn it around. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Rafi. I mean I just don't – I was okay with her in the first season. I, I I didn't hate her in the first season. Right. I kind of hate her in this season. Yeah. I hate the character that she's I mean, she's doing a good job, right? She's the the actor, I mean. Right, right. She's she's playing the part that they have given to her. Yeah. Right. I just she's not a likable character in this. Right. And I, I, I will only you can only go so far with she's someone in the throes of grief. Right. It only gets me so far to a point where, okay, so yes, you're right. People do irrational things in the throes of grief, but not every single second of exactly every single day, right? Yeah. I'm confused about what the Watcher is, like why is she on Earth and 
right? And what is the, what are these powers that she seems to have on other people? Like she's just Romulan mm-hmm. in the in in the original universe. So is it some sort of tech that allows her to take over people and make their eyes glow, or is there another being involved? Yeah, I think I, it's another being. I think what I think is that's not Laris or anything. I think it's um, that is the Watcher, and I think it's a projected image of someone who Picard trusts. Okay, that's what I think. I'll buy it. Yeah, I'm so, bad at predicting things, though. I can't. I don't know where this was going to go. I mean, I don't. Right. Yeah. So there were two other things that I wanted to mention. Um, one of them is a nitpicky thing where, um, like, they had to get out of the Picard, or they had to get out of um, the Serena. Because the environmental controls were broken, but then he immediately turns on the cloaking device. <laughs> right. And then just to to continue bitching about Rafi, like the she was talking about how like she doesn't understand why they were in such a hurry to to leave, like why they couldn't have done something to save Elnor or you know, talk to somebody and like, yes, it's been four weeks since the first episode, but it's also like they were being shot at. They had ships coming after them. Like for them, it's been maybe a day. Oh, I so think it's it just, been at most hours. Right, right, right. Okay. So I was, I was giving the benefit of the doubt and like saying like the longest it's been is a day, but, um, I mean, it's still but dark it's just, in France right? and it's still light in, I guess in, that's true. So yeah. So it's, it's been, yeah. A, right. Anyway, regardless, that's not my point. Um, <laughs> what time was it, Jonathan? <laughs> Just that they've been there for, you know, at most several hours. And she does not remember why they had to leave in such urgency. They were talking on the bus. That's what it was. They were talking on the bus. And she was like, I don't understand why we couldn't have just stayed longer to um, to try and save Elnor. Or something like that. I feel like that was probably... I do remember that. I feel like that was probably to bring everybody up to date in case they are switching over that Elnor's dead. Like they're right. reminding us of her... of her in, Not incentives, of her motivations. Yeah. Which, again, just goes back to like, who are they talking to? Yeah. I don't know. I don't... Yeah. I, I feel like they're, they're writing this like it's a... Like it is in CIS or CSI or something like that where... You kind of always have it on in the background. You don't really pause it to get up to go to the bathroom. Just kind of leave it on all the time. So they're constantly having to remind you what's going on in the episode because they know people do that. People don't do that with these shows. Right. They watch them in groups of people. Yeah. And in groups of people who get mad when you talk during (laughs) the show. Right. right? Yeah. Like These are these types of people. There are those people who, when they start the new episode, they watch the previous episodes. Yeah, you know, so like to yeah. for the the episodes coming out tomorrow, like they they will watch all the episodes leading up to that new episode, so they're all up to speed. Right? They don't need to continue having that, even if it is the people who are watching the the current episode and that's it. It's still fresh in their minds. It's just yeah, yeah I I don't understand it, and it's super irritating. Also, there was a previously on. That was probably a minute and a half to two minutes long. Two minutes. Recap. Yep. Two minutes long. So yep. we're up to date. Yeah. We know. You know, I just feel like maybe they're just being a, a bit lazy. I'm, I'm so tired. I feel like I'm the lazy one for saying it was lazy, but they're lazy. Right. Well, I think it's just I, – I think that the, the machine is too big and it's taking them too long to to change everything. You know, like this is how episodes were done 
before streaming. So this is how we should do do them with the previously on have have it in the dialogue recapping things that happened in previous episodes. Like, but that's all. Yeah, and they probably have maybe five or six episodes worth of content that they're trying to stretch out into ten episodes, maybe eight episodes. You know, these are all hour long episodes. I know. So yeah. I mean, I, I hate to be cynical about it because it's Star Trek, and I don't want to be cynical about Star Trek. And yet, so I mean, well, let's we're we're gonna find out tomorrow. Hopefully, they'll turn it around, and it's not just another episode of God damn it. <laughs> Picard, season two, episode five. God damn it! <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening. If you like listening to us bitch and moan about Star Trek, uh, we also do another show where we talk about the classic Trek. We randomly generate episodes from all 700 of them, of the yeah. uh, original series through Enterprise. And we, uh, we talk about them. We see, hmm, are, is this actually Star Trek or is it, uh, is it something else? We and before it. you go rushing to the keyboard and saying, yes, it has Star Trek in the name, therefore it's Star Trek, you should go listen to like the first two minutes of any episode. And we do establish specific criteria. It's not just whether or not we like it, therefore it's proper Star Trek. And if we don't like it, it's not proper Star Trek. No, we are scientists, right? Yes. We are scientists and we apply it to our scientific method, our criteria. There are episodes we did not like that are not proper Star Trek. And there are episodes that we love that we have to admit are not proper Star Trek. Right. We have no control over this. Right. We don't We don't make the rules. <laughs> exactly. All right. I've been Paul. I've been Jonathan. And this has been the measure of an episode, Star Trek edition, Picard edition, season two edition, episode five. Episode four? Episode three? Four. Episode three. Episode five. No, this is episode five. No, this is episode four. This is episode oh, four. Right. It's four. Okay. Edition. <laughs> Thanks for listening. No, you're not done. You're not done. I got to do old Picard. You can do videos. No. Yes. But you already knew that. <laughs> there we go. Done. <laughs> One and done. Nailed it okay. on the first time. Fine. <laughs>